Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. So glad you're here. Wherever you're at, we're excited to worship with you. I'm Jim and I serve as a, a pastor here at Schweitzer as well as a host for our experience today. If you're a guest with us, so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. Check in with us and we'll send that gift out to you right away. It's a Starbucks digital gift card and enjoy some brew, some coffee, whatever on us. We're so glad to be able to uh, do that uh, for and with you. And today we're excited to wrap up our sermon series. It's called Two Sons as we explore the extravagant love of God that is told through a story that Jesus tells of a father and his two sons. And this story impacts us all. We can see us all in this story, our own lives. And so Pastor Jason's going to lead us. It's going to be an awesome experience. So look forward to that. And if you want to go deeper, we can do that together. We can go to sumc.co slash next and there's sermon discussion questions and more. That is, we want to dive deeper. Let's do that today. And now let's uh, hear from Stephanie. Stephanie, who keeps us connected here at Schweitzer. Let's hear more from her. Hi, I'm Stephanie. A few weeks ago, we had many folks attend our all-in gathering to find out more about who we are as a church. On September 26th, we'll be celebrating with many of those who attended as they take their next step in becoming members of Schweitzer Church. If you're interested to know more about membership, the door's always open and we would love to have you. Contact Sheila Pippin or find out more at sumc.co slash next. The fall season is here and we have several ways that you can get connected. The second weekend in October, our new second season ministry will be hosting two great events. On Friday, October 8th, they'll be hosting a Boomer Bash with outdoor games, food, live music, and more. Then on Saturday, October 9th, we're bringing in a special guest speaker to help us learn more about maximizing this season of life. You can find out more at sumc.co slash second season or by stopping by the information area on your way out. On October 16th and 17th, we're encouraging all women to participate in Schweitzer's Women's Retreat. This is a great chance to get away for the weekend and be encouraged alongside other women. You can find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next. We really are a church for all generations. And now I'm gonna throw to the Schweitzer Kids team to tell you more about what's going on for kids here this fall. Hey families, I'm Stephanie Taylor. And I'm Julie Manassian. And we are with Schweitzer Kids. We are so excited to share with you what we have planned for this fall semester. Parents, are you in need of a little R&R? I don't think they heard you. Let's try that again. Parents. Are you in need of a little R&R? Of course you are. That's why we've designed five nights for Schweitzer kids first through fourth grade. Parents, this is your chance to have a night out and for your kids to refresh and recharge with worship, games, and more. We will kick this off Wednesday, September 15th from 6.30 to 8.15 p.m. Please register your kids online to attend. We're also excited to launch Route 56 a new preteen ministry for fifth and sixth graders, right here in this space. We're gonna have an engaging night of worship, games, and activities for students in this age group every other Wednesday beginning September 8th at 
Learn more about R&R Nights and Route 56 at sumc.co slash kids. And if you're interested in volunteering in any of these areas, we would love to have you. Thanks for supporting Schweitzer Kids. Thanks, Stephanie and Julie. It is so exciting to hear all of the great things planned for our kids here this fall. Thank you all for being here this week. We are so excited to have you. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us connected. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hi to your friends, say hi to others, and give us your insights. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button as well on your screen. We'd love to pray with you. And now on this day that God's given us, let's rejoice and be glad and let's celebrate and worship God together. Hallelujah. 
And now let's pray together. God gives us the gift of prayer, the gift of relationship that changes us, that continues to change the world. It is crucial to our relationship with others. And so as we come to this time of prayer and we wrap this series up, we, we know that God loves us extravagantly. It's a love that is without restraint, whether we're far from God or near to God, God is our foundation in life and all relationships. So where, where are your relationships today and where are mine? Let's reflect on, on those and how God is the center of all. Holy God is all about relationship and relationships. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the beloved community. And so as we pray together this morning, let's really again uh, pray centered in relationship that God uh, seeks us and pursues us. So Holy God, we are thankful that you desire to do life with us. You pursue us, whether we are near or far, whether we are uh, feel separated, you are always seeking us. And so today we, uh, we really open ourselves to you because your love is our foundation. Your love changes not only us, but the world. And so God, we seek uh, to be used as you would have it for your good and holy purposes to bring uh, relationships that are centered in your love and mercy and grace and so much more. Holy God, we love you. We praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us long ago, Lord. We pray with uh, humility and yet confidence in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we come to this time of offering, we are so grateful to God for God's uh, care and generosity in our lives and in our world. Uh, God is so good. And we thank you for your generosity, your tithes, your offerings that, that coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, not only support, but really compel the ministry here on this campus and beyond. And your giving especially goes to pouring into the next generation as well. The next generation of followers of Jesus are so important. And your, your giving, for example, this summer has, has allowed us to have ongoing Sunday morning student activities here, uh, youth pool parties, that sounds like a lot of fun, vacation Bible school, block parties in neighborhoods. And that's just an example of how your giving really matters. And speaking of pouring into the next generation, I am so excited this morning to introduce you to our next director of student ministries, Levi Zinn, who's coming to us from Texas. So I'm Levi Zinn. Um, I was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas. Um, I've been in some form of ministry all my life. As a young kid, my mom did a lot of children's ministry um, through our church. Um, and then 
Later on in life, she married my stepdad who did a lot of homeless ministry. And then once I got to college, I felt a really strong pull towards youth ministry for myself. My faith really became my own when I was around nine and my mom and dad got divorced. Um, God really stepped in for me and played um, that father figure role for me. Um, so I consider myself blessed to have uh, the perfect father as my kind of primary father figure. I got married last October, so I'm coming up on uh, my one year anniversary. Um, I have two dogs, a cat and a turtle. Um, the dog that I brought into the relationship, his name is Trash Can. Um, and then we have Kylo, um, who's our other dog, and Pippin's our cat. And then my 20-year-old turtle named Fishy. Um, I named him with when I was three, as y'all can probably tell. <laughs> I think uh, first and foremost, I just wanna build an environment and a culture that is inviting and authentic. I'm very thankful and excited to be here. Um, if anything, I would just love to um, see the adults be involved in this ministry. Um, you're all invited to work with us, um, help these students really feel um, comfortable and at home um, in this church and not just as a part of um, a student ministry, but as a part of the church as a whole. Thanks, Levi. We're so excited to have you and your wife, Taylor, with us. God is so good. And we can continue to give support ministries like the student ministry by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks for doing that. And now, Pastor Jason's going to lead us. We're going to wrap up this series, this Two Sons, the story of God and how God moves in relationships. Here's Pastor Jason. Jesus tells a story of a family, one father, two sons. It's a story of heartbreak and betrayal, selfishness and isolation. It's also a story of healing and redemption, reconciliation. It's a story that teaches that everyone is welcome and invited into the family of God. No matter what your life may look like, no matter how far from God you may feel, no matter how isolated or alone you may be, everyone is welcome into the family of God. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Schweitzer. I'm 48 years old and evidently I don't know how to shave. I apologize, as you watch today, that you're going to see a, a little mark on the bottom of my chin. I took a divot out of my face when I was seeking to shave. My daughters looked at me and they said, Dad, what's the deal? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, and they're right. I don't know. I apologize. But I am so glad that you've joined us. So glad that we're going to be, uh, we have an opportunity to dive in to Luke 15, and to wrap up a series that we've been on where we've been looking at the two sons. Now, I have a question for you as we get ready to start our time together today. Have you ever been part of an awesome story or watched an awesome story? And then suddenly there's some sort of plot twist and it kind of falls apart. Or you're like, what in the world is happening in this moment? Maybe you've been watching a story and then the hero, the hero that you thought was going to have a grandiose ending suddenly dies, or you were watching a faithful one become a betrayer. 
You get the idea. We've all seen it occasionally. But sometimes we step back and we go, I don't know that I like the way that ended. Well, if you take up Luke 15, and if you start reading through it, we find a lot of awesome stories that Jesus tells. He tells three incredible parables. One about a shepherd who loses a sheep, leaves the 99, puts them aside, and goes searching after the lost sheep. And when he brings it home, he throws a party. He invites everyone around him to party and give thanks that this one lost sheep is home. And then Jesus tells another parable about a woman who's lost one of her 10 coins. Maybe some, some people surmise that one of those coins she lost was a part of her dowry. And so she turns her house upside down looking for this, this one coin. And when she finds it, a meager coin, she gives profound thanks and she calls her friends around and they throw a party. And then the last parable that Jesus tells is about a father who has two sons. And the younger son comes to his dad and he says, Dad, you're more valuable to me dead than alive. So I'd, I'd like my inheritance. And he takes his inheritance and he goes off and he spends the money into the wind. And when he finds himself in a pig pen feeding pigs, he wakes up to the reality that life was better at home. And so he comes home hoping to be a servant, hoping that his dad will accept him just as any other servant, but his dad welcomes him home as his lost son who is now found. And a party ensues. In the first two parables that Jesus conveys, the one about the lost sheep and the lost coin, Jesus says at the, at the time of the party that this is how your father in heaven rejoices when lost people come home to him, when sinners repent, when a sinner repents. God throws a party. Now, unlike the first two parables, Jesus keeps the last parable going. And that's where the turn, that's where the plot twist comes in the story. Because certainly there's a party and the father welcomes the son home who's, who's been lost. But the story isn't complete and it continues. The reason it continues, and we'll hear uh, the rest of the story in just a minute, but the reason it continues is that all three of these stories have a, have a provocation. Jesus, Luke tells us, has been teaching. And in the opening pages of, of Luke 15, in the op opening lines there, we hear these words. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. When the Pharisees came to inquire of Jesus what he was teaching, how he was being a rabbi, how he was leading, they saw Jesus eating with people that they, in many ways, considered to be on the outside of what God was doing, who God was calling to be themselves. And, and they began to grumble, and Jesus heard the grumbling. Now the Pharisees who come and who want to inquire of Jesus are people who've been practitioners of the law, and not just practitioners of the law like the Ten Commandments, but Practitioners of the law that resided around the law. They were a group of people who grew up in exile communities, who knew the pain and separation that came when people broke covenant with God. Some of their heroes were people like Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra was a priest who, when he discovered the, um, the law of the Lord, stood up and he read the law aloud to people. Ezra was, was somebody who, who read from the scriptures. And Nehemiah was somebody 
<clears throat> when he realized that some people were breaking covenant and breaking the law, well, he took matters into his own hands. In fact, he, he became rather violent with folks. The Pharisees were people who were deeply interested in seeing that the people of Israel were people who stayed within the confines of the law, that they obeyed the law. Because they were this fastidious around the law, they drove the Herods mad. The Herods who would set themselves up as king, but the Pharisees wouldn't accept Herod as king because Herod wasn't a legitimate king of Israel. They didn't, the Herods didn't come from the line of David. Not only that, but they had non-Jewish ancestry. And so when Jesus goes and eats with sinners and tax collectors, the Pharisees grumble. And it's in reply to this grumbling, it's in reply to this grumbling that Jesus delivers the three parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son to reveal a greater picture of who God is. God is one who searches for those who are lost, who loves people profoundly and deeply, who forgives greatly, and God is one who rejoices, especially when people who are lost come home. As we've said, the last parable isn't just about one son, but it's about a father who has two sons. And so today we're going to hear about the older brother. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke 15. And we're going to read from verses starting at verse 25 and finish the chapter. And so this begins... Right after the party's begun and the lost is now home, he's found, so the party began. And then Luke says this, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And when this son of yours, notice here, friends, he says, when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. He's so angry and and irritated at this point. When the son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he's found. The older brother in this parable is somebody who stayed close to his father. He stayed close to home. He didn't go running off. But as the listeners hear Jesus tell this story, as we hear Jesus tell this story, we can connect the dots. There's anger within the older brother. And when he's invited to come into the house and celebrate, he turns his father down. He spurns the invitation. He puts himself... Though he is close in proximity, he puts himself into a very similar position as his younger brother was when his younger brother came and said, I'd like my inheritance. He puts himself in the position of being far away from the heart of his father. And though he is close, he's on the outside of the house. Jesus, in telling this story, 
is asking the Pharisees. And he's asking in some way all of us who journey with God, all of us who are religious in nature, all of us who have religious practices. He comes to us in this way of asking us a very important question. Have you really understood the law? Have you gotten to the heart of the law? The law, Jesus will show us and tell us, and so will the rest of Scripture, is not primarily about developing a code of life or a moral vision. It can do those things. But the law is about revealing God to a people who are in hiding. And the law is about bringing healing to persons and families and communities and all of creation. To the scribes and the Pharisees, to religious people, The law helps define who's in and who's outside of what God is up to. And they see Jesus teaching people who are generally seen on the outside. And they wonder to themselves, how in the world can he be sharing God's mercy and grace with people who don't seem to be interested? The scribes and the Pharisees have a number of hang-ups. And we hear these hang-ups in the words of the older brother to the father. The scribes and the Pharisees are hung up because their sense of holiness and morality are offended when Jesus meets and dines with sinners. We hear this kind of language when the older brother talks about his younger brother squandering the father's money on prostitutes. In that that time, in any time, a questionable piece of morality. But the Pharisees and the And the scribes who mistake the law as an end unto itself, they don't see the law as a tutor that brings the way of life and the way of love. And they also don't see the reality that keeping the law isn't God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal, when we read the Gospel of John and we hear Jesus gather with his friends around the table, when we listen to how Paul describes the relationship between Abraham and God, is this, that we would become friends of God, that we would become sons and daughters of God. The real purpose of the law is to lead us to the Father, and everyone needs to be led to the Father. Another hang-up that the Pharisees have is that they live with a sense of scarcity. The older brother describes it this way. While I was with you, Father, and worked with you, you didn't give me a goat, but you gave my brother, you gave him the fatted calf. The assumption of scarcity has been rife, has been universal throughout human history. The assumption of scarcity is with us just about at every turn, every day that we live. From the major tenet of economic models to marketing motivation about what we need to stock up on, the idea of scarcity is with us in all kinds of ways. And it drives a bus that is marked as the bus with fear and envy on it. And most of us buy into scarcity at some level By whether we have a written down list or a list in our own mind, we know that there are things in our life where we have needs that go unmet. But 
But we don't really live in profound scarcity. In fact, the economy that God has given to us and the economy that God, I would su- suggest to each and every one of us, the, God, the kind of economy that God has placed within his creation is not one of scarcity, but one of creative supply. One of the reasons why the Lord told Moses and Aaron to put manna into the Ark of, this, of the Covenant, this box that the people of Israel would carry around with them wherever they encamped. One of the reasons why they were supposed to take manna, this bread that fell from heaven every day while the people of Israel <clears throat> journeyed around in the wilderness and put it in the Ark of the Covenant was because it was supposed to be a living representation to them as God's people that God always provides. But the Pharisees, they had their own questions about scarcity, just like we have questions about scarcity today. And they looked at Jesus and they said, if you bring all of those people in, what is it going to look like? What's the kingdom of heaven going to look like? What's the city of Israel going to look like? We too have moments in our day when questions of scarcity drive us to be exclusionary instead of inclusionary. The other thing, other point of hang-up that the older brother has and that the scribes and the Pharisees have is their lack of recognition. The brother says to the father, I've slaved for you day in and day out, and he squandered. I stayed home and I've been overlooked while he ran away. These moments, these hang-ups that the brother voices are also hang-ups of the Pharisees. They can be hang-ups of us as well, of thinking about what God is up to, of being like an older brother who sees people who are taking small steps towards God, but maybe they're not at the, at the pace that we'd like them to be. Jesus brings us to the end of this story And he really leaves it unanswered, friends. Especially to those of us who have walked with God, who've talked with God, who've been on the inside. He comes to us and he asks us a question. Will you be like the older brother who are close, but you don't see that your siblings have been far away and you don't see how your father rejoices when they come home? Will you be like the older brother who's happy to be the only one at home, or will you desire for other people to come home as well? Jesus brings us to the end of the story, and he brings the Pharisees to the end of the story, and he says, will you be the older brother who's on the outside, or will you come in and rejoice that God is at work in his world today, fulfilling a promise he made through the prophets that he would draw all people to himself? Will you be the older brother or will you come in? Here's a couple of helpful steps for those of us who've been a part of God's house for a while and who find ourselves from time to time asking some of the same questions as the older brother or of the Pharisees, maybe having some of their hang-ups. The first thing, the older brother didn't really listen to the story of the younger But maybe, just maybe, we could listen to the stories 
of people around us. And in listening to the stories, maybe we can get a sense of compassion, of the burdens that people carry, and how through the sense of their burdens, God would like to speak to them. A couple of years ago, <clears throat> the staff here at Schweitzer went to the art museum and we took in, we took in a, a show called The Road That I Call Home that Springfield photographer Randy Bacon had put together. Randy Bacon had been on the streets of Springfield and he had been capturing pictures of people moving around this location. Especially he captured pictures of people who were unsheltered and they had been unsheltered for some of them days and weeks, months, and some even years. Bacon said the purpose behind creating the stories and the pictures that he did was to help us recognize, himself included, but us recognize that we are all people, that every single one of us matters, that every single one of us has a story. When you see a one of Randy Bacon's photographs, you'll see that they're stunning. When you read the stories that go along with them, you realize that each and every one of us, we've got things that are fantastic about our lives, but we all have hurts and hang-ups and habits that lead us to places sometimes we'd rather not go. And in reading those stories, we find compassion for one another. We find compassion for sometimes people we, we think of as they or them or other. We find compassion. And in having compassion, we just don't see somebody as your son, Father. We see people as our brothers, our sisters. Another thing we can do is to find a place where we recognize and celebrate that all of us need a true older brother, a true older brother. And Jesus is our true older brother. Because unlike the brother in the story who stayed home and was faithful kind of, Jesus, the true older brother, comes from the throne of heaven and he comes to us to invite us in the places where we're lost to make the journey home. Every time we gather around a table, I think one of the things that we see and hear, at least I do in my own faith, is I see and I hear the Lord's invitation to us, Jesus' invitation to us, conveying to us this reality that God loves us with a love that's beyond our own comprehension. And he invites all of us, with faith, without faith, that we have a place to call home. It's under the shadow of his wings. It's close to his heart. It's a being a part of the household of faith. All of us have a place where we belong and we can believe and we can journey together as sisters and brothers. And when a table is set before us, when Jesus takes bread and wine and he gives us an invitation, you and I, whether we're a long way off or right close, whether we know the law of God or we know very little of Jesus, all of us can draw close and receive God's grace and goodness towards us. Because here at the end of these parables, 
there's a question mark that hangs. Will we step close to the one who searches for us, who loves us deeply, who forgives greater than we can forgive ourselves, and who rejoices when we take a step towards him? Sisters and brothers, thanks for joining us today. But would you take a moment this week? Would you take a moment this week and take a step towards the one who calls you by name, who calls you home? Thanks. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here today to worship. And a special thanks to Stephanie, as always, for keeping us connected to the worship team, for leading us in a beautiful day of worship. Pastor Jason, for that message. And if you know anybody else that could use this encouraging message, this word, share it on social media. Thanks so much for doing that. And we'll see you back here next week. We begin a new sermon series you don't want to miss. Eight weeks called Elijah, just like us. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you next week.